He's a general of the faith. He is a mentor, and he loves Jesus. And we just honor you, Pastor Ken and Joan. We are delighted, and we know you have a word from the Lord for us today. Let's welcome Pastor Ken as he comes to minister the word today. Your pastor just said that this church is 90 years old, and I first preached in it in 1957, so I've been around it for a while. And uh, when we were coming out to for that interim time last time, I called my cousin Lois Mott, and I said, we're going to Calgary. She said, again, and I said, yeah, and she said, where are you going, First Assembly? You know what she said? You and First Assembly are codependent. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but I'm glad to be here. Oh, I need that baggie. Uh, no, come up. You have to help me dress. <laughs> I'm not going to preach in it, I promise. Now, there are a few people here, like the Brays and Bev, will remember a number of years ago, uh, we had the boat people thing happening. And our church decided to sponsor a whole lot of people coming over in the boat. And um, one of those very little boys attends a, a really gospel church in this city, and last year they were talking about bringing a Syrian family over in that crisis that's happening. And he thought of the fact that as a little boy, and he was really little, uh, he came over here, and his first home was First Assembly. So he asked the staff if I was still living and if they could find me. (laughs) And uh, I said, sure. And uh, I just remember I'd forgotten some things. Have you gotten any slides? I don't know, I I think I sent some, but like, uh, those were the days, I'm ashamed of this, of male perms, and I got one. That, that, this is, this is me with, uh, with some of these, is there any more? Oh yeah, now there's the bunch, Um, and uh, I think, no, yeah, well, okay, this is present, but yeah, I think it was that little guy that phoned me. And he's, uh, he's now got twins and another little boy of his own. And I just want to tell you that that whole family of Fung's, mom and dad, and their children and their children's children are all serving the Lord in this city. And I know that you don't have cameras that can turn this way, but all of them are right back there this morning. Will you just wave at the people? It's on your Yeah, welcome. We're so glad you came. Now, the reason I'm wearing this is that Willow, who is Fong's mother, uh, yeah, come right out here, Willow. I said I wouldn't do this, but I lied. (laughs) Uh, Right down here. 
This is Willow. And Willow, do you remember making this for me all those years ago? This was her thank you present to me. And the, I've had to have it rethreaded because the thread rots, but I have worn this. How many years ago is that anyhow? And I'm still wearing it. And, and if you still can, I'd like another one. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I... First assembly, you're doing it again. Cast your bread on the waters, and you will find it after many days. Keep throwing the bread out. Russia or whatever, keep throwing it out. Amen? Uh, some of you are new here this morning. I know one or two of you. And I'm sure that you're going to ask me, what, what is this church like? Well, I just did another interim thing. I just finished a few months back in a church that's just like this. So I asked a few of my friends, and I said, I need to warn you, Peel Church is like a holy hockey game. And that's the way I describe the worship, because it is. People get all excited at a hockey game, and they get paralyzed in church. Get paralyzed at the hockey game and get excited in church. Now, I also have another title, and I'm not going to belabor this, but I have this flattering title in our fellowship of being the Museum of Pentecostal Hymnology. And so we're going to go back into the museum this morning. Everybody stand. And if you're a hand lifter... I want you to lift your hands, and we're going to sing very traditional worship as my, as my prayer over the sermon. Got your hands up? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessing. Oh, that's beautiful. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Sing the Amen. Now ah. just sing to Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Worthy one, worthy one. Hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Let your song arise. Hallelujah. We sing to the rock of our salvation. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, my. I can't resist. I'll, I'll take five minutes off my sermon, Pastor Ben. Okay, try clapping now. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. Zion's children. Amen. 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 Oh, you got to do that one more time. Amen. 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 Sounds good. I heard a little Nigerian in there. That's really good. <laughs> you may be seated. Well, we're finishing up a series on worship. And the title of my message is Heart and Soul. The whole idea of total worship. Our word worship in its original Anglo-Saxon meaning was worship. It is what we give value or worth to. And worship, is for those who know Jesus, is to God alone. And he deserves our highest priority in our lives. We worship God not because we're singing lively songs or doing religious things. We worship the Lord God because he is creator and redeemer and author and finisher of our faith. He is the number one priority in our lives. Everybody will worship something, and I'm going to give away my age again when I talk about this person. How many of you, when I say George Harrison, know who that is? I told you. George Harrison used to be a beetle. Have you ever heard of those? How many have heard of those? Well, I just want to tell some of you young people that your very sedate grandmother was probably screaming with uh, that mania, your beetle mania, whenever they showed up. I, I mean, I was with a few girls that I was dating, and they went ape, like, hey! like they were having a seizure when this guy was around. But he worshipped something, too. He went to India, into a temple of the god Kali, and uh, she's supposed to give him peace. And, and so he went there. And he actually had that idol shipped back to Britain for him. Because he said he found peace there. You know, I've always wished that somebody had brought him to Calvary. Because that's where real peace is found. But everybody will worship something or someone. 
Sometimes the object of worship is weird. Uh, Pastor Cliff, in our day, when somebody was, you know, really in love, my father would say they were like a dying calf in a hailstorm, you know, like that, you know. Behave, Ken. Uh, <laughs> but they would say, when this, a couple fell in love, he worships the ground she walks on. Have you ever heard of that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I'm all for love and marriage, as the Bible says, but should we be worshiping dirt? <laughs> yeah, it went right over your head, I know. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> Let me tell you about two preachers, because sometimes this kind of worship can be misplaced even in the church. There was a very famous preacher in times past in Boston, or pardon me, in Brooklyn, by the name of Henry Ward Beecher. And one time, a lot of people came to his church just to hear him. It was a curiosity thing. And one time, he was away, and his brother Thomas got up to preach. And when he did, some people were disappointed, and they got up to leave. So he quieted everybody, and he said, Now those that came to worship my brother Henry may leave, and all that came to worship God may remain. And I kind of say amen to that, because uh, the vessel is not nearly so important as the person that we came to worship. In preparation for this message, I read four books and three smaller commentaries on, the, on Nehemiah. I didn't start out that way. I had one book in mind, which is Hand Me Another Bro- uh, Brick by Chuck uh, Swindoll. But I became so intrigued on how worship pervades every part of a believer's world that I just kept reading. It invades us personally. It invades us when we gather together. It invades us when we're out there in national life. I'm not preaching about Nehemiah today, but I've learned so much about the value of worship, total worship, with our tongues, with our time, with our treasure, with our talents, in our togetherness, and in the totality of our lives. We are to be worshipers. We were created to be worshipers. Would somebody say amen to that this morning? But I want to read a little bit from the 8th chapter of Nehemiah. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses so that, uh, that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand and and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. 
And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn and weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and as I said in the first service, attend the potluck. Sarah's my friend. I just wanted to put in a pug. For this day is holy to the Lord. Send portions to anyone as nothing. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some people are weak because in public worship they look like an extraction. Smile. I'm looking up in the balcony. Thank you. We, we ought to continue to have in First Assembly what we had this morning. Joy. Lots of weak people come into this house and they need strength. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not weep and mourn. Yeah, amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Here's a picture where the word of God led people to repentance. And repentance led them to worship. And worship led them to celebration and sharing of whatever they had. Now let me move along. Worship involves physical response. In scripture, all of these physical responses are recorded. Sometimes we worship the Lord in the dance. When Israel was miraculously delivered from the Egyptian army and they were on the east side of the Red Sea and looking back as a wall of water engulfed their enemies, Miriam got really excited and uh, she took a tambourine and the nation danced before the Lord in victory. That's one of the things that I kind of got... My um, spiritual joints loosened up when I was here the last time with you. Because we used to sing this song. And I sing because he are good. And I dance because you are good. And I shout because you are good. You are good to me. And I sing because you are good. And I dance because you are good. And I shout because you are good. You are good to me. We don't just do this to make noise or to get into motion. We do it as a response to the greatness of God and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God to his promises and the holiness of God and the redemption we have found in Christ Jesus that has changed and transformed our lives and it gets into our feet sometimes and we begin to dance before the Lord. Bible also tells us that David danced before the Lord when the ark was coming back to Jerusalem. And that's because for those people, the ark represented the presence of the Lord. And they were moving the presence of the Lord back into the capital. And as they did, the king, the leader, danced before the Lord. Now, I'm not taking political sides, but I hope there's such a revival in Canada that Justin Trudeau is dancing before the Lord on Parliament as the presence of the Lord comes into the house. And all the rest of those conservatives who criticize him. Just wanted not to take sides here. I think I just lost some of you. 
pray for me. <laughs> we worship with the lifting of our hands. Now, that was common in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In our culture, we lift our hands when we surrender. Now, God doesn't have a gun in your back, but when we think about Jesus going to the cross to die for us and at such an awful cost to purchase us, it's a very easy thing to lift our hands and surrender and say, as I look at the cross, you can have everything I am or ever will be. Do you say amen to that this morning? Another thing about lifting of the hands has to do with acclaim. And in older cultures, when there was some political or famous person, maybe a warrior returning from a battle who had won a victory, people lifted their hands in acclaim. And I want to tell you this morning, saints, if anyone deserves acclaim, it is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we lift up our hands to him because he's worthy of our praise. And for me, lifting hands in worship has to do with my physical reaching out after God. I don't know about you, but I feel like David. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And I just want to say, and I know I'm being gender specific, and please don't throw him. Oh, we don't have hymn books. Okay, good. Don't throw anything. But this command is especially for the male gender. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I want women to dress properly and whatever. And he said, I want men to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And do you know something, Pastor Ben? I don't know what it is, but when a church is full of men who lift their hands, there's strength in that church. I, I don't know what it is, but it's just the truth. Tears can be worship. There was a lady who broke into a dinner party when Jesus was on earth. And she'd been delivered of a lot of things. And in gratitude... She anointed his feet with her tears. And sometimes I want to do that. I just want to come into his presence and kneel before him and say, I want to pour some love on you, Jesus. I thank you for saving me. I never get over the fact, Pastor Michael, that I'm saved, that I went from darkness into life when I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Well... The Bible also tells us that we can clap our hands, and I see that you caught on to that. I call the new generation of, of church people the sore hands people because they clap all of the time. But it's a really good thing. The Bible says clap your hands to the Lord and shout aloud with a voice of triumph. If anybody deserves applause, he deserves our applause and our affirmation. Worship can be silent. Or quiet. Or quiet. Or it can be loud. This, the first service was like this. Do I have to count to four? It can be loud. One, two, three, four. <laughs> can be either one. We can rejoice or we could reflect in the presence of God. And worship involves our mouths. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will constantly be in my mouth. And when I'm boasting, my soul will make her boast in the Lord. Worship is not just about those activities. 
Worship is about our possessions. Oh, thank you for all those hallelujahs. Let me try that again. Worship is about our possessions. I, I get it really a little testy when people say the church wants my money. Well, so does Safeway. Like, give me a break. And all of that stuff that I invested Safeway has made me the mess I'm in. And when I invest in the kingdom of God, it goes beyond my death into eternal life. When I lay up treasures, they're in heaven and I'm going to meet them there someday. Of course our possessions worship God. Oh, Ken, that's good. You should preach a little more on that. I, you, I saw some people that looked a little wounded. I'd like to wound you a little more so that when you get healed, it's a pleasure to give to God. You see, I pay 10% of my gross income, not because it's a tax and somebody said I had to. I do it because it's worship. He's the Lord of my life. The Bible says, ascribe to the Lord glory and honor. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Oh, that's good, Ken. Just keep preaching it. That's really good stuff. I really... I, I don't joke like this all the time. I don't know what's come over me this morning, but anyhow. We give not only in our possessions and in our physical response, but in, we give rightful place in our planning to God. You see, in the Old Testament, one-seventh of every week belonged to God. And on top of that, there were feast days and special times that people set aside for God. And you need to worship God with your planner. There needs to be time in there when you're setting aside to be with the people of God and to be alone with God and to be investing your family in God. Like, I know that we've gotten wealthy and we have great big cottages with swimming pools and whatever, but why don't you let algae grow over the swimming pool and take your kids to a good camp where they'll get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and you'll have some memory. Come on, clap your hands. You might as well listen to this. You might as well get excited about it. Make planning in your year for special times for God. That's part of our worship. Lastly... And most profoundly, perfect worship is the parameter of our total experience in existence. I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And as you refuse to let a desperate, ungodly world pour you into its mold, and you present your body for the molding power of the Holy Spirit, you begin truly to experience what worship is all about. Would somebody risk an amen this morning? Worship should be constant and intentional. First of all, because God is worthy. It's not all about me. It's all about Him. Then because that is the highest purpose for which you were created. You were created to be a vehicle of worship to God. And the the other thing is that we tend to start to resemble who or what we worship. 
And I don't know about you, but I want to resemble Jesus a whole lot. And so I want to worship him. William Temple, who was a minister in my father's day, defined the meaning of worship like this. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To worship is to feed the mind with the truth of God. To worship is to purge the imagination with the beauty of God. To, to worship is to open the heart to the love of God. And to worship is to devote the will to the purpose of God. Not to belabor the meaning, let me quote you from a hymn of what her contemporaries said was one of the most godly women they had ever met. She was dead long before my time, but her name was Frances Havergal. And she wrote this prayer hymn to God. She said, Take my life. My God, I pour at your feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. Dear friends, worship centers me on someone or something greater than myself. Worship transcends this sensory world. Worship focuses on the best and the highest and the holiness, holiest. Worship involves the totality of my heart and mind and soul and strength. It reminds me that I'm ultimately accountable to the one I worship who holds my breath in his hands. It returns me to the absolutes of godly living and it motivates me to ascend to my highest potential. In closing, I want to tell a story from the Bible. I was sharing with Pastor Ben in the interim. Sometimes when pastors are preparing, and Cliff, you know this, it's what we call the prophetic thing comes into us, and you know that you have to say something that you didn't prepare to say. And I, I said this in the first service, and if you're here and you need to hear this, please listen, because we have a wonderful, merciful God, and worship involves his mercy. When the people of Israel were about to conquer Jericho, the Lord gave specific instructions that when they attacked the city, they were to burn absolutely everything with fire. And if you go into the historical milieu of that, it was probably a health thing that God was saving his people from. The city was so defiled. Well, there was a man named Achan, or Achan, as the Hebrews say, who was burning things, but all of a sudden he saw a really good suit and a wedge of gold. And his blood pressure took over his moral sense. And his greed became his God. And he took what he shouldn't have. And when he did that, the whole nation began to lose in their conquest of Canaan. And God told Joshua, you have to get rid of that stuff if you want to walk in victory. And I'm not here to scold you, but saints, it's still true. You have to get rid of the stuff if you're going to walk in victory and, and be a conqueror for God. And so through a process, I'm not going to take time to explain they found out that Achan was the fellow who had committed the sin. And I love what Joshua says to him. He doesn't tell him he's stupid and worthless. He looks at him and says in Joshua 7:19, My son, my son, 
Give glory to God. That's what worship is. Give glory to God by confessing your sin and tell me now what you have done. If you are here this morning and you think that your life and your lifestyle has shut you out from the mercy of God and there's no way back, I want to tell you there's a way back. Whoever you are sitting up there or here, give glory to God. The highest praise and worship you can lay at his feet is a soul that's turning from sin and bad choices and all of the destruction that the world has brought on them and says, God... I didn't want to, it's hard for me to say this, but I've been wrong. And Pastor Ben, he's not going to kick us out of the family. He's going to say, my son, my daughter, give glory to God. Worship him this morning. Not with waving your hands or shouting or whatever, but give the highest worship by saying, I'm coming home, Father. I've messed up. You say, I can worship God in my mess. Yes, you can. You can actually bring the mess to him in worship because he's a wonderful recycler. He, he takes junk and makes it into jewels. Do you hear me? Takes junk and makes it into jewels. And he calls you this morning to come home, to leave your broken past, and to worship you, worship him. In your repentance, in your sorrow, in your tears, in your brokenness, he calls you this morning. And I am his servant. I say that knowing how unworthy I am of that, but I am his servant. This morning, I'm his voice saying, son, come home. Grandpa, come home. Daughter, come Lay your brokenness at my feet and worship me because I'm going to transform your life and do wonderful things for me. Just begin to sing, will you? Stand with me, everyone. And if you need to come, you come. Pastor Ben will be talking to you in a minute about it. My desire to honor Pray it to him. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me. All I have within me. I give you praise. All that I Of your broken, pray it to him. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. Every breath that I
I, I don't know why. Pastor Ben's going to give an opportunity for people to come, but I feel pressed to say this, and if nobody comes, it's fine, but somebody's back there, and if you could get your feet in the aisle, you'd be down at this altar right now as a physical sign of your moving towards God. If that's you, we're not disturbed. It, it's not breaking the order. In fact, it's right in order. If you need to come with your brokenness, as we sing it again, feel free to do that. Get one foot in front of the other. Oh.